everyone and welcome to the EdTech Podcast. My name is Sophie Bailey and this week I have been writing about digital leadership, hosting EdTech Meetup Drinks in London and launching the edtechpodcast.com, our new website. Go and check it out. Now, on to today's episode. This week, we are in takeover mode with Harness, talking about user-centered design and creating edtech with teachers for teachers. You'll hear about research and design processes to optimize teacher feedback, pedagogical models to keep edtechs focused on useful product development, and why it's important to make your bed in the morning. First up, here's Nihal Salah, Marketing Director at Harness, to give us the background on what Unio by Harness actually is. Unio is an interactive lesson delivery informative assessment tool which was designed both with and for teachers in order to make it easier to manage mixed ability classes. Unio gives teachers a real-time insight into their students' understanding of a lesson and the tools to provide targeted one-to-one support that moves student learning forward. Unio is meant to be used in classrooms where you have one-to-one devices or as some of our schools who currently use Unio do in an ICT suite. Thanks, Nihal. Who else will you hear from in this episode? Teachers Diljit Hardy and Bookie Youssef. I think the first thing that really attracted me to it was the key sort of sentence, shape a new product. So I think so often teachers get given these products, you know, either the school buys them in or somebody's come to show you a particular thing. And they're very much what people in make it want it to be and it's not really always suited to what we want if you've got school members who think okay i'm you know i've got the time to actually try out state software where do they go and i'm not even sure that i have a clear answer to that right now either and i think that's part of the issue um, that we're encountering right now investor pierre antoine Olmo. so there is a, a balance between enthusiasm uh, energy and also the, the reality of the classroom. And this is this learning process that I think investors, entrepreneurs, all stakeholders should take together. And last but not least, Mark Anderson, ICT evangelist and former school senior leader. You know, in, in the world of ed tech, nothing comes easy. And so you, you do need to have that resilience and grit and what have you, but you also need to sweat the small stuff. Thanks, Mark. This takeover episode is all about engaging teachers in edtech development. If you're a teacher, ICT coordinator or senior school leader listening in and you'd also like to be involved, you can email Nihal, that's N-I-H-A-L dot Salah, that's S-A-L-A-H at uniobyharness.com or tweet at uniobyharness. And you can also sign up for a free trial to check out what you think before you feedback at www.unioboyharness.com. Have a great week, everyone, and see you back next time for a live recording from London EdTech Week on the topic of how can EdTech drive school improvement. Hello and welcome, everyone. Today, we are in takeover mode with Harness, talking about user-centered design and creating edtech with teachers for teachers. To that end, I'm delighted to be joined by a whole raft of guests on this week's episode. Nihal Salah, Marketing Director with Harness. Pierre-Antoine Olmo, Investor with Harness. Mark Anderson, aka ICT Evangelist, former Assistant Head and award-winning blogger, speaker and edtech consultant. 
Booker Youssef, secondary science teacher, consultant and qualified coach and a member of the teacher tech board with Harness. And finally, Dildrit Hardy, chemistry teacher at Lutterworth College and a member of the teacher tech board again at Harness. So welcome everyone. Hello. Hi, Sophie. So today we'll be looking at everything from how investment and growth plans influence edtech design to the good and the bad, to how teachers share information on practical edtech. At a time when the ideas of learner experience and design thinking for education are gaining ever more traction, it's a good stopping point to think about edtech developed in tandem with teachers too. So let's turn now to the all-important part of this process, which is teachers. Teachers are famously very time poor and very focused on their students. How have Harness worked closely with teachers to develop their service? So I'd like to ask Nihal your thoughts on this question. So there's a number of ways that we work with teachers to ensure that we are constantly developing union in line with the needs of of teachers and and their students. One way is through the Teacher Tech Board. So this is a board that we've we've set up that consists of teachers from a range of technical backgrounds. So from the most savvy like Mark Anderson and, and Bucky Youssef to those who will openly say that they're scared of the technology. We wanted to have a broad representation of teachers. And the board meets several times a year. We discuss best practices in vetting technology and teaching and learning. We also discuss our, our thoughts on, on product development with the teachers on the board. And essentially, they, they give us the sign-off, really. If the teachers don't think it's a worthwhile feature or functionality to add in, it doesn't go into the product. The second way is to our pilot school program. So we run an extensive pilot school program across the UK, Um, And we're actually currently looking to invite more schools to join that program so they get full access to the premium features of UNIO. And all we ask for in return is that they they give us feedback on the product. The third way is through our internal initiative called the Teacher a Day. And this was actually, it was an interesting story how this came about. We we always get emails from teachers who have have started using UNIO. And they'll send us, you know, the, the, the positive feedback and, and any improvement suggestions as well. And we often invite them into the office and just say, you know, why don't you come around for a cup of coffee and we'll show you our upcoming plans for you and we'd love to get further feedback. And we thought, well, let's turn this into to an to a initiative that, that we commit to called A Teacher a Day Keeps the EdTech in Play. So that's our commitment, basically, to make sure that on a daily basis, we are speaking to our teacher users, wherever they are around the world. And the fourth way is through research. So working with, you know, a number of, of teachers and educational institutions on how to actually measure or look at the impact um, of using UNIO in, in the classroom. And again, we find it's absolutely fundamental that we work with schools, teachers, senior leaders, on on this sort of research um, on an ongoing basis, really. So, and that does tie into the pilot school program. So those are the the four key ways. So Nihal, I spoke about this previously, you talked about uh, using the agile development process to kind of really refine this. So I was quite interested in the actual mechanics of how you go about your product development and taking some of that feedback and putting it back into what you're developing. Yeah. So at Harness, we we take an agile approach to our development. So that means that our development process runs in two week sprints or cycles. And this is important because it allows us to take feedback from teachers on board and make very rapid iterations to the product and then go back and show those changes 
um, in the product to the teachers and get further feedback on it. So, so that's our formal development process, but informally there are a number of, of, of other things that we do. We're always in, in contact with teachers and for example with Mark Anderson, when we first met I reached out to him and asked if he would have a look at Union and give us some feedback and during our first call it was not what I was typically used to in terms of you know a consultancy session with, with, a, with a client, um, but rather Mark took the time to teach me um, and he pulled up Unio on, on the Skype call and, and used the, the whiteboard on Unio to explain the TPAC and summer models to me. And that was the beginning of building a really um, solid relationship with Mark who's until today continued to be incredibly supportive and, and helpful and who I would I would consider a friend as well. So um, I think it's, it's a combination of that formal agile development process but you know also building very strong and solid relationships with the teachers that we work with. So we're very privileged uh, in these times of the summer holidays to welcome some teachers. So I'd like to, to move to those teachers now. First up, welcome Diljit. Hi, thank you. Hello. So my understanding is you were used as one of the pilot schools, so the, the college where you work, working with Unio in this process of user-led design. So I just wondered if you could talk to us about how you came to work with Harness on Unio and what that's meant for the practical outcome of how you use that in the classroom as well yeah I think the first thing that really attracted me to it was the key sort of sentence shape a new product so I think so often teachers get given these products you know either the school buys them in or somebody's come to show you a particular thing and they're very much what people who make it want it to be and it's not really always suited to what we want so having this ability to shape a new product that's what really got me interested because I thought it'd be great to actually try out things and think, actually, this doesn't work. And actually being able to get back to them and say, well, actually, could you change this? Or could we actually take this little bit a little bit further? And that's why I really got involved. Getting it on board at school, that was a different matter because the, their key issues were we don't want it on our system. You know, we don't want it to do this, that and the other. So actually, the fact that it was web based made that I you know meant that I could actually go ahead and try it that's very interesting and so you almost became like a, a sort of hub in the middle so communicating with the harness team communicating internally within the school how did you find that process as well um I think once we sort of got everything going it was quite good because once school agreed that yes it was okay to test Unia came in they showed me how to use the product and you know with other companies we've been there before really at that point so I then went away and developed my first sort of lesson. And I think for me, the key thing there was I didn't have to come up with a new lesson because if I'd have had to do that, I don't think I would have done it. You know, I've been teaching for over 25 years, so I have a real bank of lessons that I want to use and I know what works, what doesn't. So I don't want to start from scratch. And so when, when you used your lessons, but in the new model, so with the students being able to see them on their own devices and so on, what were the parts of the experience that you thought were really practical and you know had a really positive outcome in the lessons as well? What did you feed back on that side? I think the assessment for learning was brilliant because immediately I got instant feedback of where my students were, what they were doing. Because in the past, when you're doing that, you kind of get class feedback so you kind of know where your class is but that's about as far as you can usually take that but this was brilliant because each student had their own screen which they really liked 
and they they were able to give their feedback and they really loved that but also from my point of view immediately I could see who was struggling with what and what we want to know is where our individual students are and we were able to do that by using this. And so how long was the pilot project as well? Oh I've been working on it for quite a while I think probably about January. So that's ongoing as we speak? Yeah. And, and what were some of the areas where you said actually you know could you develop this and uh, you fed back and saw that process work through into the next iteration of the product? I think one of the first things was that the students weren't able to keep a copy of their annotated screens. And so what we were doing at that time was either taking a screenshot or I was producing sort of like a summary sheet where they kind of wrote a summary of what they'd learnt. And what we really wanted was for them to be able to go back and actually see that, keep their PowerPoints and be able to come back to them. And that was great because once they've developed that, you know, it's just a whole lot more meaningful for us and the students because they've got that work then forever. Interesting. Thank you very much. Moving to uh, Bookie as well. So one question I had was there are so many companies out there and I know that, for example, whether it's Dilgit or yourself or Mark, you're sort of probably constantly getting asked to review and pilot different products or, you know, get on board or join advisory boards and that kind of thing. So I just wondered what it was about working with Harness, how you came to be involved and what prompted you to get involved in a more extensive way. Okay, well, I came on board towards the end of the academic year, so I was in a time and place which actually could be involved more um, extensively than I would normally be. I think there are a number of key things. And the first thing that actually struck me was the fact that this was a company that really was not just interested about the software, but they just wanted to make a resource that would aid the teaching and learning and teachers are a focus of what they're actually trying to produce. And this is in direct contrast to some organisations I've actually been involved with where you can see, as Georgette said, their their main concern is the product, the utilisation of it and selling it, whether it fits your educational needs or not. You know, behind us, a complete opposite this. And it's, it's a strange thing to say, but Having met um, the team, they are a team that has actually got heart. They are passionate and truly believe in what they're actually trying to do. And that comes across in the feedback that you receive and actually, you know, being open and honest about making sure that the product actually works in the best way. And another reason I got involved was the fact that this is a real opportunity to support and take flip learning to the next level where you can enable students to work more independently than they normally would and actually have live in-lesson feedback to actually move their learning and therefore progress on. I'd also be interested to know from your perspective, having worked with lots of different ed tech companies, sort of how many take on positive or negative feedback from educators. And then also, how can we improve this dialogue? So the whole mission behind the ed tech podcast is to get people talking more across the service provider side and then the educators. So I just wondered, because if you've put your blood, sweat and tears into something, and then actually when you take it to people, they say oh it's not quite right it's very easy to just kind of tune that out so what's your kind of experience on that and how do you think we can generally improve it as well okay well more recently what I'm finding is that ed tech companies because they want to engage with schools and they are I suppose more determined to find something that fits for them they are more open to actually listening to feedback whether it's positive or negative and they actually invite educators to try and actually share ideas of things that the, the companies could actually develop. 
I think the, the most difficult aspect is, is actually how to establish the dialogue. It's only because of the fact that I've been involved with um, so like organisations so like Innovate My School or BISA and having the networks that are actually involved with EdTech, I've actually got to hear of a few opportunities out there. But what you really, I suppose, ideally would need is, is a forum. Say, for example, if you have BET, where you don't just have EdTech companies that just come to showcase what they do, but say like have a, a forum in which you could actually have EdTech companies or members of the EdTech companies as well as educators who can actually sit down and talk about some of the issues that both are trying to address. So in terms of educators, maybe some of the issues that they're actually encountering, actually having the first hand face-to-face conversation with the company representatives they could actually have a dialogue about what they could both do to actually move forward. And then it's, it's like, I suppose, establish a more formal forum where the discussions can actually take place and actually just have a go-to place where if educators think, OK, I want to get involved, they know where to go. Because right now, I think it's very difficult that if you've got school members who think, OK, I'm, you know, I've got the time to actually try out state software, where do they go? And I'm not even sure that I have a clear answer to that right now either and I think that's part of the issue um, that we're encountering right now. Yeah it's really interesting because that's what I was going to ask was whether you had any recommendations for teachers to sort of extend their networks to become more immersed in some of these developmental processes but it sounds like you think there's still loads of opportunity to kind of build that up as well. Yeah I mean one thing I would I would say is for example you could use particular social media platforms say like LinkedIn educators for example could actually maybe have as part of their LinkedIn profile an expression of interest of wanting to engage with ed tech companies and making it clear about how they'd like to engage so that at least it raises awareness about the fact that they are interested in actually coming on board and maybe ed tech companies could do the same as well if they share on particular um, platforms social media platforms that these are the opportunities for educators to come on board and how they could actually engage I think that might at least First of all, raise awareness, but at least start the conversations and get the ball rolling in that regard. Just finally, my understanding is you're working with Unio on a research project to assess impact in the classroom. So could you tell us a little bit about that and what the main aims are and how you're going about that as well? Okay, so this is just an initial research focus. But for me, you know, one of the common issues that teachers talk about, and as I've mentioned time and time again, say it's things like effective differentiation or marking and feedback, and actually thinking about how we could utilise the software to enhance this. So in the first instance, what we're actually looking at is using the tools on the software, looking just generally how teachers could use it to mark and provide feedback in lesson in real time and getting some feedback about what works and what needs to be changed. And I think once we've got the initial feedback there, I know it sounds very general right now, is actually then drilling down to specific ways back to, you know, like, could there be tools that we could develop and utilise that could support verbal feedback so that the students can actually receive feedback from teachers in a lesson, act upon it. So by the end of a lesson, you can actually see a note the progress has actually been made. It always comes up. I know it came up in our discussion before that marking anything to remove the the dreaded marking and the amount of time that's necessary on it would be amazing. Thank you very much, Bookie. Let's move on to Mark. Mark, hello. Hi, Sophie. Uh, You've been formally involved in school leadership and know how many calls, again, school leaders get daily from edtech companies on the new best thing. So do you have any advice for people listening in on, you know, how that approach from edtech companies to teachers or school leaders could be improved? 
Well, something that I've noticed with working with um, Unio is their desire to try and develop themselves and, and develop their team and learn more about what makes effective learning with technology. I first sort of came across Nihal back in 2016 when she came to a session I was running at the Festival of Education at Wellington. And the team are just really, really keen to understand teaching and learning and, and what the sort of good aspects of teaching and learning are and, and how that can then inform what they do with the product. You know, so they've been trying to develop something that's easy to use, easy to access. It solves a problem. As you mentioned, it helps with marking and, and it's striving to shorten the gap between when students uh, react to learning content in the classroom and, and how quickly teachers can feed back on that. And taking the time to do that groundwork up front before um, getting to a point where they're trying to sell to school at scale um, is, is really important. And, and everyone I've been involved with and spoken to, both on the teacher front, uh, like Bucky and, and what have you, through to Nihal, um, everyone's really focused on trying to make things better. But doing that groundwork up front to make sure they create a product which is going to be effective and, and, and hit those right buttons, being led by teaching and learning, um, is, is a great model, I think, that the other companies could, could uh, learn from. And on the pedagogical side of it, or the teaching and learning that you mentioned, are there any particular approaches that you have been discussing with Nihal in terms of um, how that might make a more solid foundation for what they're doing? Yeah, so um, there are a few models that I share and, and have written about, and they're, they're pretty uh, well established now with um, the SAMA model and, and TPAC as well. But I was saying to uh, the team around SAMA, you know, teachers – you mentioned earlier, Sophie, you know, you'll, you'll have your early adopters and, and what have you, you, the people who will get on board and what have you. But how do you make it so that a, a consistent approach to technology can be sort of deployed uh, across a whole school? Because when it comes to getting technology working well at, at scale, you know, you, you need to think about your sort of lowest common denominators, you know, the people who aren't going to be so readily happy to take on board some new technology teachers will ask themselves you know what's in it for me how is this going to make my job better how is it going to make my job easier how is it going to improve the standards in my classroom how is it going to improve the retention rates of my students so forth and so on and so when you start thinking about the SAMA model that means that you can then start thinking about developing a product so that it does things that wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the technology and that's what you get with Unio, you know, the ability to interact in real time, see in real time the responses from, from students and things like I say around marking, which helps inform those next steps. So you can give that feedback quickly. And, and those are all things that are sort of backed up by some research by the likes of John Hattie and what have you, you know, and, and the discussions uh, that Dylan William talks about around you know, bringing feedback to students as quickly as possible. You'll remember yourself, you know, there, there would have been teachers when you were at school, Sophie, who uh, would have marked your books quickly. And there'll be teachers who, who took a week, let's say. And if, if it was taking your teachers a week or so, plus even, even longer to mark your books, how invested were you still in that work that you did week, a week, two weeks on as a student? You won't have been. And so you know, using modern methods and shortening that gap and getting that feedback to the students on the work that they're doing, the learning that's taking place as quickly as possible, um, using strategies and techniques that wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the technology, uh, are ways in which you can bring on board all those teachers so you get a consistent experience uh, across the whole of your school, which is only you know, great for the kids, which is what you want. So you mentioned the importance of having an investor that understands this development process and sort of has that pedagogical understanding as well. So it's a great point to turn to Pierre Antoine. So hello, Pierre. 
Hello, Sophie. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. So from an investor's point of view, I've been in a lot of edtech sector meetings recently with various stakeholders and government discussing the lack of patient capital in edtech. And it just got me thinking, so Nahal mentioned that part of the development and making something that's actually practical and useful is being able to say, do you know what, this isn't quite working. And although we've put a lot of time into this, we should develop it in this way and actually develop something really useful. And it got me thinking from an investor point of view there must be quite a lot of pressure that sort of burning money and it's you know extra time and delaying the sort of investor hoped for outcome I suppose so I just wondered what your thoughts were on that and your wider thoughts on how investors can support edtech to be meaningful and impactful in the long run as well the first one regarding the the patient capital I think we we need to to think also of investment in education as a learning process it's, it's very recent that we can even think of investing in education. Education has for a long time uh, been considered as a, as a public good. It still is. But as a public good, it was almost closed to any private investors except higher education or except not formal education. So education per se for a long time was not open to investors. And investors uh, were dragged in by inspired entrepreneurs. And so they need to learn what education is about. And sometimes the the entrepreneur themselves are not patient enough to teach them and are not patient enough to understand what education is about in global. And I think that when we are talking of the ed tech movement, sometimes we just forget that ed means education. And I like more the, the word education startup than ed tech startups. Uh, I still believe that technology is part of the game, but has always been. But the main objective is to change and to transform education. So you're, you're right. It's, it takes time. Sometimes the, the, the ministers, the, the government discussion that you, you go to, they have also a peculiar way of thinking of time. I mean, for them, changing is not a matter of days or years. It's more a matter of decades. And I am not sure that we have this amount of time. So we are all in a hurry to change. The only thing is that um, investors, entrepreneurs, teachers, families, they all need to agree on, on a process uh, to change. And it's not your urgency that makes the change happen, but it's also not your inertia that will make the change happen. So, so there is a, a balance between enthusiasm, uh, energy, and also the, the reality of the classroom. And this is this learning process that I think investors, entrepreneurs, all stakeholders should take together. And this is what I think we are intending to do with Arnas. Yeah, I noticed in reading around some of your work and your wider work in open learning and MOOCs that you have a very collaborative approach to education development. And so I can sort of see the influence that must have had on your approach to investing. One of my questions looking at investing in edtech more broadly is to what extent investors have been responsible for distorting the edtech available to teachers and whether that's fair or unfair. So, for example, when there's a model that works quite well. So for example, some of the learning management systems that are out there, there's there's quite a trend towards investing in similar products and perhaps creating a homogenized landscape of products that are available. So I just wondered if you see that as well, or if you see that there's an alternative way to thinking about investing and creating a diversity of offerings out there for teachers as well. Okay, first of all, I think the first thing investors have been responsible for, they have been responsible for creating the edtech movement. Not alone, but instead of distorting it, they have they have made it possible in a way. It's true also that distortion means 
at some point, whether you are clever enough to identify the right spots and the right needs and the right challenges. And this is, again, a joint effort and a joint design effort of all along the value chain. What I think is that it's not because you have an LMS that works that you are not allowed to invest in more LMS. I mean, uh, just like when you have a, a textbook, you are also allowed to invest in more textbooks if you believe that you can make it better. The key thing is, uh, do you have a sound analysis of the needs? Do you have a clear understanding of the challenges? Unio, for instance, started as a pseudo LMS, and then we realized that it was not useful to just be positioned as an LMS. We we, we just needed to be more agnostic in this in this point of view and 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 focus on other issues. So so I guess that distortion comes when when you just stop looking around. Uh, so. Investors, they may have a distortion effect when they claim their money back too quickly. This is, I refer to your former question about patient capital. But I personally also learned something from investors. I am not a professional investor to start with, as you just uh, gently reminded, I am a, a professional of education. I have my own company. I, I invest in my projects. I believe in participatory education. I believe in education as a dialogue. But I also understand that investment is a is a matter of professionals. And I and I brought in professionals in this game. I brought my brother, among others, who is a personal investor. He told me once, you know, the problem is not when I will get my money back. The problem is if I will get my money back. So it's not so much a matter of time. We all agree about it will take time. It's a matter of uh, having the right approach, having the right method, and being patient enough not to get the money back soon, but to listen to all the actors and be able to respond to their needs. And, and this is really what, what I think needs to be taught. And this is also why I think that the success stories in the edtech field, in the innovation and education field, they all come through a very good mix of visionary entrepreneurs and investors willing to learn. And I think that the, the, the best expression of patience is, are you willing to learn and take the time to learn? And this is, I guess, one of the key to success. Thank you very much, Pierre-Antoine. There's two things I was thinking about um, in researching around this podcast. One was when you think about the sort of successful ed tech companies out there, there's two that spring to mind. And their commonality is that they are very, very in touch with teachers, whether that's through the way they get their marketing research back or sort of actually going out to schools. And that just really struck me that it's definitely a success factor there. And the other one that I wanted to know about whether there is any development plans in this way is that I think, you know, ed tech has probably matured from tech for tech's sake to being more teacher focused and obviously there's a long way for lots of companies to go on that but I think we are getting there to then I think thinking about becoming more sort of learner experience focused and I wondered whether there was any plans to sort of replicate what you're doing with learners and or parents and other stakeholders. Yes yeah, so we, we strongly believe that the starting point needs to be the teacher, because the teacher is, is, is the gateway to, to the classroom and the centre of the classroom. We currently do involve students through the pilot programme. So when we go into our pilot schools, uh, we will not only ask for teacher feedback, but, but part of the process, we sit and we observe. And that's not just me and our CEO going into these lessons. We actually have our developers come in as well so that they can see you know, how students are using the software, where they're tripping up, 
And at the end, we'll either do surveys and brief interviews as well. And it's really interesting. One of the one of the pilot schools that we went to at the end of, of the lesson, I asked a question. I said, how did you using you make you feel during the lesson? And I purposely used the word feel rather than what do you think about UNIO? And a few of the students started responding with answers like, I felt special. And I thought, why did you feel special? And he said, well, because I had more attention from my teacher. I felt like we were on the same page. And that was incredible feedback for us because it just opened our eyes to a whole other aspect of, you know, what's the emotional impact of using technology on the teacher and the student. So students are already part of our of, of that development process. We get feedback from them through the pilot schools. And moving forward, we would like to involve them more and more. And we'll probably come up with, with mechanisms similar to, to what we do with the teacher tech board, but that's appropriate for, for students. The other point I'll make is that we absolutely will be also looking at engaging with, with parents and even school governors and other stakeholders through the research that, that we're carrying out. Because, you know, as you touched on earlier, there, there are a number of key stakeholders and, and you have to consider them all in your development process. What weight you give to, to, to each of the feedback is, is another matter altogether. So absolutely, I think, I think involving teachers, involving students, involving parents and governors, but making sure that we always stay true to you know, the, the point I made earlier on is that we're developing this product to make the lives of teachers easier, to support them in doing their job, you know, make it less stressful for them. And that there will always be the priority in that in that process, I think, for us. Otherwise, it's very easy to get distracted and defocus. So I think maintaining that focus is absolutely key and, and just being really clear on, on where the priorities are. Something else, just adding on to what Nihau said there, something that's really important for schools is that, that what the, any products they choose to use uh, actually work. Um, as you'll know, like EdTech efficacy is, is a big topic. And the work that uh, Nihal and the team are doing with, with teachers and, and trying to undertake some research and, and move their, their understanding about a product forward and, and what have you, only serves to make their products more effective in terms of its impact and usefulness for schools. I think there's quite a lot that other companies could uh, sort of take on board from their approach, whether it's something that the Harness would like to use with uh, other products in the future or whether um, other companies could sort of take on board their, their approach as a means to developing what they do. Either way, making sure that any ed tech that you develop uh, actually does work and uh, solves problems in education and helps teachers and makes them more efficient and what have you can only be a good thing. Okay, so that brings us to the end of our discussion on user-centred design and co-creating a best-of-breed edtech with teachers for teachers. We've heard today on best practice design and research feedback loops, being a humble entrepreneur and involving educators' positive and negative comments into your design, making sure investors understand the concept of patient capital and your long-term vision, offering multiple ways for educators to be involved with your developing service in meaningful and practical ways. I'd like to spend the last few minutes of today's episode just asking today's guests what their key takeaway books, resources or Twitter handle shares would be on this topic. So mine to kick off would be 
it's probably twice as long as it needs to be. But the the lean startup by Eric Rees has a few of these discussion points in it. And there's also a really great learner experience meetup group out there, which is based in London, but perhaps you could replicate wherever you're listening in if you're not based here. So who'd like to kick off with a few other suggestions just to kind of wrap up today's discussion? They're actually blogs. Like I said, I find it quite difficult to actually find um, some resources to share in this regard. But I came across two blogs which I thought were really key. Um, And the first one is by Ainsley Harris, and it's called The Secrets to Building Great EdTech Products. And it was produced in 2015. But what's really interesting is the fact that the issues and experiences shared within that blog are still relevant today. And I think that's it's, it's just um, something that ed tech companies should actually really just be mindful of, some of the pitfalls maybe to avoid. And the second blog is by Wheezy Yancey Seagal. I hope I pronounced her name correctly. And it's called How Teachers Can Change the Future of Educational Technology. And it outlines ways in which educators can actually get involved with what companies are trying to produce and give suggestions. So, for example, like um, maybe they could actually get involved with advisory positions of educational tech companies, maybe collaborate with or hire developers so they can actually create and build educational tools that they know would suit the needs of um, their school and maybe other schools as well, etc. So I, I think those two blogs are a great starting point. And also a great reference point for companies because they can see what do they do that mirrors what the advice is actually given and what are the next steps they should actually undertake. Yeah, I definitely want to check out that second one. That sounds great. Anyone else? Yeah, I can I can make a few suggestions. So I, w- I was going to suggest the Lean Startup. You already mentioned that. The other one that I think is a really good one to read is if you build it, will they come? Three steps to test and validate any market opportunity. Um, and, and again, that's very much about about taking an adult um, approach to product development. Don't spend you know lots of money and time building something, assuming that um, that your target audience will um, decide to use it. And then uh, the other two resources that I would suggest, you know, anyone who's that one of the key things that we often talk about educating the teachers on the tech, but I don't think we focus enough on educating the ed techers on the education. Um, so when Mark, you know, educated me on um, on the work of John Hattie and, and Dylan William, um, it opened a whole world of possibilities and and opportunities. So I would suggest anyone who's not necessarily from an education background is follow their work and educate yourself on on those definitely. Perfect. And did you have a few ways that people, uh, teachers listening in, can also get involved with your product development as well? Absolutely. I mean, we are, like I said, um, inviting more schools to take part in in our pilot school programme. So if anyone is interested in in joining the pilot school programme, it means they would have access to all of the the premium features of of Unio. We would go in and do training for all all the staff will be using it and all we ask for in return is is feedback and, and to attend a couple of lessons and observe how UNIO is being used obviously at time that it's convenient for the school and schools can contact us by emailing us so that would be info at unionbyharness.com um, or they can reach out to us on Twitter and our Twitter handle is unionbyharness and we're always, always open to receiving feedback from any of our users. So our website's contact page has all of our contact information. We love to receive phone calls from, from teachers or emails, Twitter. Just get in touch, please. We'd love to hear from you. 
And Mark, have you got any points you'd like to throw out there as well? Yeah, so I'd echo the, the ideas that both uh, Nihal and Bucky have said, but a book I read recently by a guy um, called uh, Admiral William H. McRaven called um, Make Your Bed. He's an ex-Navy um, SEAL. Um, he was um, the, I forget his actual title at the time, but he's the guy who oversaw the uh, mission which uh, saw uh, Osama bin Laden being taken out and what have you. He's had some you know, really amazing life experiences. But in his book, uh, Make Your Bed, he, he talks about sweating the small stuff, you know? And if you can't get up in the morning and do a simple thing like making your bed, then you know, how can you expect to be able to do the hard stuff? And there's loads of stuff in there which sort of resonates with Carol Dweck's work around resilience and grit and growth mindset and what have you but it's a really 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 interesting read and certainly you know in, in the world of ed tech nothing comes easy and so you you do need to have that resilience and grit and what have you but you also need to sweat the small stuff and know that you will come across loads of things that will that will test you and make you want to run away and think carefully about whether you should have started it in the first place and so forth and so on uh, but the book's really really helpful and so that would be my my book recommendation and as for anyone looking to find out more about EdTech, you know, I, I would hope if they listen to this podcast, then they'll be aware of things like um, hashtag EdTech and hashtag e-learning and things like the EdTech chat on Twitter and EdTech after dark and so forth and so on. Um, but if you haven't and you're interested, then get yourself on the Twitter and, and check out some of those hashtags. There's so much that you can learn about and, and, and what have you. <clears throat> I do want to sort of do a big shout out for my website, but there's plenty of uh, thoughts and ideas around uh, EdTech on, on ictevangelist.com. Uh, if anybody wanted to check that out as well. I'll reinforce what Nihau said as well. If you want to get involved, please do get in touch because they are so up for feedback and listening to teachers and helping them drive their product forwards. Well, obviously, you have your, your website. That's an absolute given. And uh, Bookie, you, do you do some blogging as well? I do, yes. I mean, I've recently set up my own WordPress blog, but I, I blog on staffing about a wide variety of things, including EdTech. And also for a variety of companies on, on a bespoke basis. Look, uh, as I don't want to be uh, obnoxious, and so I won't uh, refer to my blog where I write quite a lot about ed tech and the perspective of investors and, and how we take teachers into account. But I certainly do have a, a blog on this, uh, paulmo.com, so I can write it to you. But there is another set of resources that I'd like to share. And this set of resources is based on learning design approach. And we design a learning design kit with an Israeli uh, education specialist named Yishai Moore. And Yishai played a very important role in the development of UNIO. And jointly with Yishai, we design an approach that helps entrepreneurs, but that helps also teachers and any innovators in education to, to challenge themselves, to challenge their ideas and to try to design uh, if not the right solution, at least a solution that, that responds to a number of criteria that could make it work in the classroom in the mid and long run. Yeah, so that's MOOCs and Co, all one word, dot com forward slash N forward slash kit. So MOOCs and Co dot com. Yeah, this is exactly it. So so I guess we need more design in, in learning. And, and I guess that this is also what we have been talking about this morning. Perfect. So what I'll do is I'll share all of those links in the show notes and love to hear your feedback, everyone who's listening in on the ideas shared by today's guests. So you can either feedback directly at the edtechpodcast at gmail.com 
we already had the the Unio uh, email, but I'll also list that out in the show notes. And there's also Twitter at Podcast EdTech and at Unio by Harness. So thank you very much to all of today's guests. And we look forward to further discussion on this topic of user-centered design. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. listening in everyone don't forget you can be involved in the development process with the team at harness by emailing nihal.salar at uniobyharness.com or tweeting them at uniobyharness you can also send in your feedback by recording a quick call in via the voicemail service on the website at www.theedtechpodcast.com or via the edtech podcast on the app anchor see you soon